Welcome to Spirituality Adventures, a place where we are looking at spirituality from a non-judgmental place and really just seeking to grow spiritually. In this first series that I did, we talked about recovery and spirituality, and we've heard from some excellent sources. We've heard stories. We've heard how all of us, you know, can kind of in general wrestle with certain kind of addictive issues, but then we've also we also dove into some of the more complex issues of addiction as well. So thanks for tuning in. I just wanted to kind of give a talk, a solo talk myself today and kind of wrap up some of the thoughts that I have on this topic. And I just want to remind all of you that are tuning in. I know some of you might be tuning in and you're from an atheist or agnostic background or maybe a Buddhist background or uh, a, an Islamic background or a Christian background. Um, regardless of your background, I think we can all learn and grow together. And so one of my goals is to learn from each other. And so I know as I've sat in groups of people and I've listened to people's stories, regardless of their religious orientation or their non-religious orientation, I have learned from people's stories, regardless of what their worldview is even. I've learned from people's stories. I think there's a common humanity to all of us that we face. So I think most of you know that I was a Bible teacher, a follower of Jesus for the last 40 years, and so I tend to think through those lenses just because that's how I grew up and that's what I practiced for my whole life as a pastor. And when I think about this topic of addiction, substance abuse, and behavioral addictions, I think about idolatry. It's one of the things that pops into my head. If you go back to the Hebrew Bible, to the Torah, the Old Testament, for those that are from the Christian tradition, and you go to Exodus 20, this is sort of the Sinai experience. Moses is receiving the ten words. It's actually the devarim in the Hebrew, and it means words. And so uh, most people divide these up into ten different statements, though historically uh, they divide them slightly differently between uh, which one is it counts as two and which one. Anyway, don't want to get into that. But, but historically, ten words from God. And they're spoken to everybody personally, you shall not, you shall not, right? And it's in the negative as well. And so these 10 words start out with two ideas. One, you shall not have any other God before me. And then two, you must not have a graven image and bow down to that graven image. And so it's kind of interesting, in the ancient Near East, most of the peoples of the world would have been polytheistic, all right? And so that means that they worshiped a lot of gods or several gods, but they usually had a favorite god, one that they worshiped most of the time. It's interesting in the text of Exodus, when it talks about not having a graven image, it says that you shall not have an image of anything and you must not bow down to it, whether it be from heaven earth or sea. And so what's interesting about those two, those three phrases, heaven, earth, and sea, is that these were actually three of the gods from the ancient 
near east. So heavens would have been Baal, and the earth uh, would have been Mat, the underworld or death, and then the sea would have been Yom. And those were three of the gods of the ancient Near East. And so actually this Jewish text is thinking of the one God who created all things, who who is uh, over all things. So, so it didn't view like separate gods all over the place, governing all the different things in the world in the Hebrew tradition, but it regarded one God as creator of all things and as uh, the, the true God that you would worship. So I'm thinking about uh, this idea of no graven image idolatry, and a lot of times it's hard for us to put ourselves back into this ancient context. You think, well, I don't sit around and make idols of Yom or Baal and worship them. It's interesting, archaeologically, if you dig up all of these cities all around the ancient Near East, one of the things you find in people's homes archaeologically are little graven images, little idols of the gods that they worshiped. If you go to the temples and excavate the temples, what you'll find is larger renditions of the gods that were graven images. So you would go to a temple, you'd worship, and there'd be a, a larger statue of the god that you worshiped. And then you could buy little statues and take them home with you. It's kind of like swag or memorabilia or something like that. If you take home a concert t-shirt or a hat or something like that, it's similar kind of a deal. People took them home, brought them home, and... It reminded them of the God that they worshipped and and they, their their experience in the temple. Another thing that's interesting about these temple experiences in the ancient Near Eastern world is that these gods provided for people um, security, blessing, prosperity. Uh, some of the temples were fertility gods, and so you would go to the temple, and they would have actually temple prostitutes. You could have sex with the temple prostitute. This would somehow entice the god to have sex with other gods, and then there would be the fertility that would rain down on you uh, through this religious experience. So it's fascinating to study all of this and what people's mindsets were, um, what, what the pantheons of the gods were in the ancient Near Eastern world. But certainly the Jewish mindset was coming out all of that mixture of what the gods did and what the gods provided and saying, hey, there's, there's really one true God. And then this idea of idolatry, um, really, if you get down to it and you trace it down through the Hebrew Bible and even into the New Testament, how I understand it, and I, and I think this would be accurate, um, is that it really starts to deal with two big things. One, it deals with addiction, and two, it deals with broken relationship. So when you worship a false god or have a false belief system about God, then that affects your life. Now, here's my thought. Anything can be a false god. Anything. A behavior, an addictive behavior like we've talked about over these last several weeks, or a substance, an addictive substance. 
And how that functions in our life is kind of like a false god. Why? Because we might have an emotional pain that we're trying to avoid, that we're trying to cover up, that we're trying not to deal with. We might be dealing with stress in some variety or form. We might be trying to regulate our emotions. And all of us, when we deal with negative emotions, when we deal with stress and difficulties in life, life crises, these kinds of things, we have a tendency to turn to something to feel better fast. We want to medicate. We want to self-medicate. And I think this is an issue with all Americans, with all cultures, and I think even with humanity at large. And so when we turn to something that's in creation, okay, to sort of satisfy our deepest needs, many times that thing can become an idol. It might be a good thing. It might be a good gift. Like, Take, for example, wine. It's used in communion. It can be used to celebrate. It can be used in holiday seasons. And there's a, there's a good and proper use for wine. It's a gift from the earth, from the fruit of the vine. But at the same time, you can take that gift that's good and you can overindulge it, overuse it, turn to it like a god, turn to it to meet all your needs, to sort of uh, numb out your feelings or to give you the kind of stress relief that you need. And when you turn to it that way over again and again and again, and you begin to drink more and more and more, and this is true with behaviors as well, or food can be a similar thing, we get out of control. We literally lose control. And so what's been fascinating to me is to look at the first three steps in the 12-step tradition. And I think one of the things that the first three steps are trying to get at is that all of us, to some degree or another, and certainly those in the 12-step world, have to come to a place where we admit that we're powerless, that we are out of control, that our life has become unmanageable because we've turned to these false gods, because we've turned to these idols in our life, because we've used them inappropriately, and we've run to them, we've sort of worshipped them in a certain way. We've seen them as our source, as our source of life and hope and health and healing and numbing and self-medicating and feeling better and chilling out and all these kinds of things, then helping us sleep, whatever, then all of a sudden this thing gets a power in our lives and these things begin to take control of our lives. This is sort of the false God idea here, the idolatry idea here. And they take control of our lives and now all of a sudden we're not in control, we're out of control. We are drinking, we are eating, We are shopping, we are gambling, we are consuming things in an inappropriate, unhealthy way. If you remember from the first uh, talk that we did here, I asked uh, Dr. Kathleen Keenan, well, what are some of the identifiers that we're in trouble, that we're in danger? And when when a behavior or a substance is being turned to in a compulsive way, it tends to start harming our relationships. And so what you find out is that when you trace idolatry down through the scriptures, it tends to break relationship. And this is what the the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament call sin. Sin, the primary thing about it is broken relationship. The greatest commandment, love God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself, as Jesus identified these in the Torah. 
um, one in Deuteronomy, one in Leviticus. These are the two great commandments. But when we have a false God, our relationships are damaged and our life is out of control. And so that first step in the 12-step process, we admitted we were powerless over fill in the blank, alcohol, food, gambling, sex, whatever, that our lives have become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. This is really about getting idols out of our life, about removing the false gods in our life, about admitting that we are even powerless ourselves over the these idols and these gods, these false gods that function our lives. So I think I think these first two words from God in the great commandments that we have all heard of and thought about and have influenced civilizations around the world are really about getting the false gods out of our life, the things that destroy us, the things that function as uh, sort of demons in our life. You know, we all have these internal demons that we need to face and deal with. And and our emotions are keys to understanding ourselves, and we need to learn how to deal with our emotions in a health way, even our negative emotions. But so many times we look to self-medicate, we look to a false god, a false belief system, we build things up around that, and then they begin to fail us. They begin to break down our work environment. They begin to break down the way we're relating to the people around us and ultimately begin to have a negative effect in some of the most important things in our life. And so this is my thought around how we today could relate to this ancient command, these ancient words of God about not having other gods, false gods, and not making a graven image out of a god, idolatry, how that affects relationships, leads us into broken relationships, and how that ultimately leads us to surrender because we're out of control because these things have gained control in our life. And so walking that out in community with other people, with a therapist, is critical to our well-being, to our health. Dealing with our emotions, accepting the reality of those emotions, understanding what our negative emotions are telling us, what we need to hear, how we need to process those things, how we need to expose the triggers and false belief systems in our life. These are, these are all things that happen when we root ourselves in a recovery process. And it's a very spiritual process. Even if you're an atheist, believing that something greater than you that is loving and caring, maybe even the group itself that you're a part of, and admitting that you're powerless, this is an important spiritual step that leads us to recovery, and it's so vital. I've heard many, many people say in the 12-step world, the first step is the one you have to get right. And I think that's so true, and yet it's so hard. Like We really don't want to admit that something defeated us, that something beat us, that we've lost control. I certainly didn't want to admit that. And I think that's a tendency that we all have. We really want to think our way out of it. We want to control our way out of it. We want to fix ourselves. We don't really want to talk about the deep underlying issues 
that are surrounding that addiction. And so we rationalize and try to overthink everything. But there's a way out and there's hope. And so I want to encourage you to reach out. If you've learned something from these podcasts, I want to encourage you to uh, shoot me a message through any of the social media platforms. I have lots of resources. I've certainly covered some of them in this series. And I want you to know that there's always a hand there to help if you reach out. And so whether you have friends, neighbors, relatives, coworkers, uh, there is help. There are resources And in this time of pandemic, where all of these issues that are going on normally are now increasing, we know that the holiday seasons during the winter have an increase in depression, increase in addiction, and then you throw the pandemic on top of it, and these things are really going off the charts. Just want you to know there's help, there's hope, there's resources. So reach out, and I'm glad you're tuning in. God bless you. And have an awesome day. Our next series that we start the new year off will be on health and spirituality. And we'll be talking about physical health and mental health and spiritual health and all these different avenues of health. So stay tuned. Thanks for uh, your support of Spirituality Adventures. Blessings to you. Harvey Media Production.